Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review. I would love to know your thoughts on the episodes we've done so far, and your reviews also help other people discover the podcast. Thank you in advance and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Raw Food Health Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Salmon, Certified Holistic Health Coach and author of You Can Afford to Be Healthy. And this podcast looks at a holistic approach to health from a multi-generational and multinational perspective of women of color. How you doing? Pretty good. That's good. Mm-hmm. How's your day? You know, so far it's been blessed. I've been, you know, it's been doing good. I just came from the hospital visiting someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's doing okay? Yeah, she's doing okay. Um, I'll know tomorrow when she's coming home. Uh, but we'll speak more about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If Jesus came to dinner tonight, what would you feed him? To be honest, I don't remember. Would he like fish? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I would ask him? Right. I said, what would you like to eat? Um, The question is that if Jesus come to dinner tonight, what would he want to eat? To be honest with you, I don't think he wants anything because the what the way he left the world is very contaminated. So he probably would refuse to eat anything here. <laughs> Specifically in America, I would think compared to like uh, England and the UK because they ban a lot of things over there. Mm. Like even the the overuse of um, antibiotics is not a thing over there. Mm-hmm. that we're doing over here. Right. There's this book that I'm reading and I shared it on social media called um, the called Missing Microbes. Yes. And the author, he is, um, he is, he is like the director of, he's affiliated with NYU. He works at the Langone Medical Center the director of the human microbiome program. And um, so anyway, he wrote this book, Missing Microbes, really good book. I don't know if you have, did you get the book? No, I didn't get the book, but I. um... Yeah, I posted a picture. Oh, a picture is a picture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you can, you can get the book. You can even get it on like an audio book. I'm listening to it via audio. Mm -hmm. And I love, like the the points that he's making, you know, th- this is the thing that I struggle with too. Is like I feel like the 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 books and the documents out there that certain people should be reading, those people are not reading it. Thank you. You yeah. know, like they don't I have think, any interest. Yes. Yeah, I think like parents who mm-hmm. are feeding their kids antibiotics, or they know that their kids are taking antibiotics should mm-hmm. read this book exactly because i i find that people care more about their children than themselves mm-hmm. and hopefully that's enough you know <laughs> encouragement just to read this book and kind of understand what you're actually allowing your children to take 
Mm-hmm. And if you if you look at the study of epigenetics, it shows that when young children are given antibiotics, it's not only affecting them, but it's passed on to their children as well. Right. So you affect a whole generation, like the mm-hmm. whole line, you know? Yes. And um, it's same thing with poor quality food. If, if we're not only just eating for ourselves, but we're eating for our children and our children's children because they inherit you know, our microbiome, they inherit our gut bacteria, you know, and our gut bacteria, a healthy microbiome is coming from a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially for women, that makes up like when we have children, it's our bacteria that ends up becoming that child's immune system. So, Um, it's all connected. That's true though. That's true because we are what we eat. So whatever we eat and feed our children, that's what we're going to get. Whatever we plant, that's what we'll reap. That I know for sure. You know, I preach it so much, Sam, that I feel like, and it's not much people, they listen, but they don't, it's like you just go cry, cross their, um, their ears because I walked into the hospital today and I was telling Jean and she started to cry. I said, when I walk into the hospital, mom picture come right back to me because there was a bed by the window. Miss is right by the door and the bed by the window, a little girl, your age when mom was sick, Mm -hmm. was sitting in a chair sleeping. That's the woman's granddaughter. And it looked like she just watching her grandmother 24 seven. Mm. And when I look at that, the, the full picture of mom just came back to me. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the, the they have the urine, or they're collecting the urine that they can see the color. And it, it looked like the lady's a diabetic. You can tell she's a diabetic. Mm-hmm. And I said, look at that. And I'm wondering if that little girl that's looking at her grandmother, if she's learning a lesson from it, you know? Yeah. You see, a lot of times when we go to nursing home, when we go to hospital, you figure that alone. You don't even have to read a book. You can tell right away what's wrong right there. Because you go in and you see things right in your face. You see the sickness. You know why people are there. Mm-hmm. Bad diet, bad decisions, you know? Yeah. As, as I think as a young person, if those conversations aren't happening in the home, you mm-hmm. don't even really make those connections. Exactly. Like, Grandma, why are you here? Why, why do you get diabetes? Why this? Why that? You know? Grandma, you think this will ever happen to me? You know, but the grandma can't speak. That's the whole thing. She's just laying there. Right. But I was looking at the young lady and I feel so bad for her because I was standing up. So the chair for Miss Miss Brazel chair. Now she took the chair and she put it like a bed and she was sleeping. So when she woke up and she saw me, she said, you want to sit? I said, sweetheart, that would be so nice of you because I was standing, you know? Yeah. But I've, I felt bad because when I was leaving, she screamed up on the chair and she fell asleep. And I wanted to tap her and says, but I didn't have a mask on. And I see her with her mask on. So, I, you know, I know I don't, I don't take flu shots. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not supposed to go breathe on anybody, if, you know. So I keep my distance when I go to the hospital anyhow. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do flu shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally think that's a whole fear mongering thing but (laughs) 
No, I don't do it. I personally don't do it and I don't want to do it and I don't want them pushing no needle in me with any any antibody. Yeah, flu shots to me just seems like another money-making scheme. Thank you very much. Because people take flu shots and still get the flu and you don't take flu shots and you don't get the flu. It's just, it's not. But the flu shot, to my understanding though, the flu shot is not to stop you from getting the flu. It's to stop complication if you do get the flu. Oh, like you know, so, so, now? no, no, that's what it was always is. The flu shot is not to stop you from getting the flu, but you know, sometimes people get the flu and they get it so bad, Sam. Mm-hmm. They get complication, like they get pneumonia. You know what they they inject? You know, they inject a germ in you know, right? So you but create I, the antibody, right? But I don't want any germ injected in my body. <laughs> I get yeah. enough walking outside. I, I think that everybody needs to read or listen to this book, Missing Microbes. We are all walking bacteria, like all of us. There's mm-hmm. more bacteria on this earth than there is human beings. Like, so, um, and they're not all bad. They're not all bad. So they're actually part of a healthy ecosystem. No, your body have bacteria, you know, your body have bacteria, your body have good and bad bacteria. And this is what we need for our healthy survival. Right. And you were talking about the the children too, like in about, you know, healthy eating and all this kind of stuff. Did you know that sugar is eight times um, more addictive than cocaine? Yes. Well, I was addicted to sugar. Remember? Remember I told you? Eight times more than cocaine. Uh-huh. But our culture is so anti-cocaine. <laughs> but we we don't have it's but we're so we glorify sugar like when you talk about uh candies or like refined sugar in these processed foods and stuff it's like <laughs> you know it's like it's a joke it's a joke that oh yeah you know you know it's like it's not taken seriously but when you can't joke about cocaine yeah yeah you know That's what i'm true. saying yeah and it's like it kind of boggles the mind like how does this society really want run? What are we basing our values on? Are we basing it on science and what we know? Because if science is saying sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine, and we know based off of the numbers that um, we're going broke with insurance because of people obese and with diabetes and all this stuff, Mm-hmm. And cancer and this refined sugar is feeding cancer and creating and causing cancer, right? And mm-hmm. we say that we care about those things, right? Why yeah. aren't we as serious about sugar? Like, why are we having to beg politicians for a tax on sugary drinks? Why are they still, still allowed in schools? Like, in Los Angeles, they already banned um, the sale, like, sugar vend- uh soda vending machines mm-hmm. in the um, public schools. So students cannot get that in the public schools in Los Angeles, but I know nationwide, it's still available. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so even in bread, like if these kids in the schools, they're being fed hot dogs and different types of bread stuff. There's refined sugar in the bread, you know? Yeah. Um. So it just makes me really confused the way we decide what we what we value and what we don't value as a country. 
you know? Yeah. Um, that's why I tell people, like, when you go to the store, always read the ingredients in the, because everything you pick up already have sugar or high fructose, corn syrup and all that stuff. Read the ingredients. Don't bring it in, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you have to add your own, that's different. Let's say somebody who have to have sugar, which I don't believe in sugar because I don't use sugar no more. But let's say somebody have to have sugar and you, you pick up something that has 23 grams of sugar. That's not your, you didn't put that in, they did. Mm -hmm. But you buy something that you have to add your own sugar. That's better. So if you don't want it, you just use your discretion, a quarter teaspoon or something just to change the flavor a little. Mm -hmm. But I think people can make adjustment in their life because any changes that have to take place in your life, you have to make it. Yeah, this is true. You and have at that the control. Same, at the same time, the reason why, because of the same thing, sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. Mm -hmm. The reason why someone would even, oh, even say or have the mentality, oh, I need sugar, is because of an addiction. Yes. There are young children that I know whose parents have raised them like raw vegan, they don't know what sugar is. Mm -hmm. They've never had a candy. So they're not craving it. They're not needing it. And like, what would our country look like? And how would our economy be? You know, if yeah. we all raised our children like that. Even you, can't, you can't raise a child like that in this society right now. The way the supermarkets are set up, the way the commercials our marketing, you know, like mm. our whole society needs to change, like the whole of society. You know mm. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We need a clean sweep. Yeah. Yes. Um, because even like a young mother breastfeeding right now, they shouldn't put anything in their body that they would not give the baby. Mm -hmm. So their right. diet should be really pure, you know, real natural stuff. Right. Because whatever you eat, if you're breastfeed, whatever you eat, that's what your baby having. Because it goes in the milk. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, you start that from infant. If you never if you never put a piece of French fries in a baby mouth, the baby would never want to have the want or the need for food mm -hmm. like that. If you don't give them sugar or cookies, they would never know what sugar. And once you give them a taste of sugar, they no longer want a piece of fruit. Right. So you have to start them off with the things that you want them to eat. You know, one of the sweetest things I saw the other day on Facebook, I thought it was so cute. A little girl in a kitchen sink and, she, oh. and, and surrounded by um, strawberries. I said, yeah. oh, oh, my God, that looks so beautiful. She was bathing in strawberries. <laughs> and eating them at the same time. Yeah, it was really cute. I thought that was cute. But, you know, this reminds me, too, of this docu-series I was recently watching on Netflix called Cooked. I'm not sure if you if you saw it. No, never. But um, Michael Pollan, he narrates the whole thing. And it talks, one of the episodes talks about bread and the original bread. And I know my mother-in-law, she's from Poland. She always is talking about how the bread here is not real bread. And at first, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like. This is bread. <laughs> you know? And she's like, no, this is not real bread. And Michael Pollan says bread only has three ingredients. You know what um, those water, three ingredients are? Water, flow, and salt. Exactly. Yeah. But commercial bread. Have a whole lot of stuff. Right. And it was, it was a lobbyist or someone who actually went to Congress 
to allow them to celebrate with all these ingredients. He said mm -hmm. he put out a number like 31 ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that's to make it proprietary. I'm just assuming, right? <laughs> yeah. But the natural process is a fermented bread. It's sourdough. That's the original. It's sourdough. Yeah. And a lot of people eat that. The sourdough. I was going to ask you, how does this, this, this documentary series, right? Um, mm -hmm. Cook really um, romanticized cooking and making food from scratch. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful docu-series for anybody who wants to watch. Pollen says some crazy stuff in the first episode, but it's still worth watching the whole way through. Mm -hmm. It's like four parts to it. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you, how does cooking make you feel? Um, to begin with, you have to love cooking. Um, maybe, or maybe I love myself because what it is, it made me feel good, very good. And while I'm cooking, my having thought process, like I'm thinking of the reason why I'm doing it, not because I'm mm -hmm. hungry and or I'm going to be hungry because I never cook when I'm hungry. I cook because I know I'm going to be hungry. And how does it make me feel? It make me feel good because I'm doing it with a lot of love. First, I'm doing it for myself. Mm. Because if you love yourself, you love others. And it made me feel so good when I cook something and give it to someone and they appreciate it. And they say, mm, this tastes so good. Up to today, for a perfect example, <laughs> not to stray away, I went to mm -hmm. the hospital. I was the, the last, I was the only person to give Miss her last meal before she get in the hospital and mm -hmm. as a meal that I prepare in the food processor a meal that I was preparing to cook for herself where we cut up the cabbage and the celery and the bell pepper and the onion and the leek and all those good things uh, the red and green cabbage all together so I took out a big um, a, a good size bowl of it and put it in the food process and process and break it down mm -hmm. and put a little a little oil on the stove and saute it and cover it with a little bit of vinegar and I cream a potato and bring to her and she says it's the best tasting meal she ever had in a long time plus she have problems swallowing you know because when people get old it's hard for them to swallow so mm -hmm. she's she said the way I did the food it was so easy for her to eat it because she said, she was telling me today, they bring her food in the hospital and she couldn't eat it because they have no taste. No, you know, it was tasting good. But, you know, I, I think that if you love to do something, you can be the best of it, um, doing it. And I just love to cook. I love to prepare the things I prepare. I wouldn't say I love to work, you know, because cooking is a lot of work. But just the preparation, I get joy from it because... It's you you you're dealing with mostly plant-based stuff and it just show you how beautiful a garden can be. You when you can mm -hmm. put all these things together and make a meal, you know? Yeah. And you know, you know, you you was asking me, what if Jesus come to my house? What would I serve him? Mm -hmm. He would say, Let me have some of that love meal that you just made. <laughs> I wouldn't serve him, you would ask for it. You say, Let me have some of the love meal you just made. And what is it? Is potato with cream? No. Your, your, what I did, instead of bake the potato, I boil them. And I okay. put it in a dish and I mash it. And I put some earth balance butter. You know the earth balance spread? Okay, yeah. And mm -hmm. I put a little bit of almond milk. I sprinkle a little bit of um, 
a garlic and a little bit of pepper. I didn't do too much because she's an older person. And I mash it. It was very smooth and nice. Tastes very good. And I do the cabbage and I put it beside the cabbage. So you have one looking white and one very colorful. And she just love it. She loved the way it tastes. She loved the texture. She loved everything. But you see, true, I used to take care of mom. I know how to care for yeah. somebody when they get older. And it's hard for them to put food in their mouth and swallow it. You have to give them a more prey, prey, or we call it, yeah, food. Yeah. That's really nice. And that's good comfort yes. food, too, because for the Midwest and the East Coast, it's really cold yeah. right now. And so I know people are craving comfort food. That sounds like it's a really But you know, I'm a lover of cabbage, though. I love cabbage. I love cabbage. I love greens. Yeah. I love vegetables. And when you're cooking cabbage, if you have kale or leek or kale or, or spinach or anything after your cabbage finish cook, you sprinkle, you put some of that mm -hmm. in there, some of the leaves in there. Because you don't have to cook those things. Mm -hmm. You just put it after it finished. You put it in there and it wilts right down, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yes, I love cooking. From from my mm -hmm. perspective, what cook how cooking makes me feel. And anytime I'm preparing, if it's juicing or even blending, but juicing and blending don't take as much time. So mostly the cooking, because the cooking takes me a little mm. longer. But all of these things, I'm in and out of the kitchen less than an hour. And I do all my cooking while I'm cleaning. So by the time I'm done, it looked like nobody really. You know, there, you're my child. Cleaned up. Yes. Washed yes. up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very. That's how I do it, too. It, it goes pretty mm -hmm. fast. It goes pretty fast to me, but what what it what it does for me, why I value it so much is um, it's time to slow down because I work a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I work most of the time. I'm working seven days a week, and I'm trying to. I heard uh, this pastor Rick Warren. I don't know if you. Know I know him. I his book. Yeah, the, he mm -hmm. wrote a book uh, with two doctors, the Daniel Plan. Mm -hmm. Um, he was saying that it's in the Ten Commandments to rest, mm -hmm. right? So he said, you are sinning, sinning against God if you Yes, you rest. are. You have to rest. And I do that on a Sunday, though, <laughs> mostly. You know, like, even a day like today, I don't cook. Because mm -hmm. I have enough. I've, I, didn't I, know yeah, that. I cook, I have enough lef leftovers for today. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I used to I used to do the coconut water fast on Sundays. Mm back in in chicago but um the thing is so for me so yeah so i i tend to you know work all the time but now i'm trying to you know really get comfortable with taking time off right yeah. <laughs> you know and just being off and that's what cooking does for me it it's like a meditation really it it allows me to just take a break from the busyness of my mm -hmm. life and just slow down and appreciate the present moment and the fact that I'm here right now, taking up space and time, like right now, just being, mm -hmm. you know? And um, that's what I really appreciate about cooking. You can't get that with, with anything mm -hmm. else. I personally have not been able to find, it's like you, it's an active meditation, you know? Well, Whereas where you, where you sit and you meditate, yeah. sometimes your mind will drift mm -hmm. off and then you start thinking, oh man, I, I, there's all these things I need to do. How long am I going to meditate for? You yeah. know? But when you're cooking, it's like, I'm cooking right now. 
you know, I don't know. For me, it works. It's like I'm just not I'm not cognizant of time. I can just allow myself to be and just. Well, you when, know. what, what um, <laughs> my biggest part of cooking is preparation. And when I'm doing the mm-hmm. preparation, I, I could see everything in front of me. I see my liver, my kidney, my my um, my intestine. I see everything in front of me. Be- and I see all the mm-hmm. things in front of me that's going to take care of those. That's what I look at. I see a big picture. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel good. Because you know what happened? I feel like I'm doing something very good for myself. And I always mm-hmm. tell people, it's nice when you have a... You have money that you can get somebody to do your cooking. But honestly, Mm -hmm. I would have to supervise that person to make sure that they put the right right stuff into because it's going in my stomach. And I can't take a hose and put down my throat and wash out my stomach. So I have to be careful (laughs) what I put down there. Yeah. And the energy, too, because I've gone to like Chipotle and I see the way they just throw the food like Mm -hmm. trash and. I don't know. For me, it affects me. I don't like my food get thrown around. Are, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, I Mm-mm. don't like that. It makes me feel like I'm eating trash and I exactly. don't feel good. You know? But I get joy in so, cooking. They used to have a cookbook called The Joy of Cooking. I get real joy in cooking. And I get a bigger yeah. joy when somebody would eat my food and say, mm, this tastes good. You know why? Because you put so much labor into it. You put so much yeah. into it, you know? You got to go mm-hmm. to the store. You take time to pick out the stuff. You come home. You clean them up. You you know, it's a lot of time. When somebody fixes your meal, you're, you're very appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. real joy. It mm-hmm. is. Did you read the article I sent you about a pill for loneliness? No, but I read the article you sent me, and I'm reading up on it because I have my job to do about depression. Yeah. Mm. Which uh, you said not you sent me uh, to go on a site to read it, and I went in the site, and it's a long, long, long reading. Oh, depression, depression. and what to okay. do and what okay. not to yeah. do, and it's very, very informative. Yeah. And anybody out there who want to know, you could uh, put up the site. You know, they can go into it. It's because there's so much people suffering from depression. And I'm talking about older people, young people, middle-aged people. It's a lot of them out there. Yeah. And that, that was basically on like how, if you are, you know, dealing with someone who is depressed, how do you interact? What do you say? Because you don't want to say the wrong things. And a trigger and a reaction that you're not looking for. Um, But now, yeah, in one ahead. of it, it says that you mustn't tell the person you know, how they feel because if you was never depressed, you can't know somebody feel. Yeah. And I think the words say, I know you feel, it goes in every situation. When somebody tells you something, how they feel, don't tell them you know exactly how they feel because you have the same thing. No, you don't. You might have sciatica yeah. pain. Your pain is different from mine. You know, yours could be harder yeah. than mine because I hear people talk about sciatica pain and I have sciatica pain. I can't compare mine with theirs. Because mine is not near theirs. The way I see they ring up and carry on. Mine, I do a couple of yoga, mine gone. But before you started doing yoga, wasn't it very It was painful? very painful. But um, I find that the minute I start to get sciatica, what helps me is when I walk. And you know, some I stay on my feet a lot. I do a lot of yeah. movements. See, movements help sciatica. It, sciatica love when you sit down. 
It loves sitting down. It likes to rest because it takes a nice cozy corner in your body, you know? Yeah. 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 When you're when you're in a sitting position for a long time, that's why they say, you know, our sedentary lifestyles is as dangerous as yeah. smoking. Or even more so because for me personally, I know what's happened is the um the muscle between the kneecap mm-hmm. and my hip gets shortened right because it's in a contracted position because i'm sitting so much and it will never lengthen out right and so when it does that there are other muscles behind it that are Mm -hmm. being stretched but while this while these changes are happening um nerves are being tugged and pulled and the muscles around it are being Mm -hmm. tightened which is why you know certain things yoga helps um, also doing a foam roller, you know, that's in the foam roller, something that I should be doing even more regularly than I'm, than I'm doing. Um, but all these things help because it's just, you know, our, our lifestyle yeah. basically, you know, it's the, our lifestyle is very mm-hmm. unnatural, you know, sitting in one spot for a long time or standing in one spot for a long time is not natural. If we lived in a commune and had to, actually work for all the things that we use, like the food, like harvest the mm-hmm. food or make clothes for people or whatever, like we would be accurate, yeah. you know? Um, that's just the, that's the natural way we used to be. And our society just doesn't work like that anymore. And so it's making our bodies just not, this is why we have all the issues that right. we have right now. We're just trying to, we're trying to accommodate this new society. Yeah. But this article I sent you on the pill for loneliness, I found very, very interesting because, um, you know, we know that loneliness is um, is a huge issue, especially among the elderly community. But the fact that they're actually creating a pill for you know that's sad. It's gotten so it's bad. Sad. That's like a, a, like here, honey. Here's your company. Take this, <laughs> Be- because yeah. Sam. To address that, I tell you that Miss suffering from loneliness. I went to visit her today, and do you know I spent one and a half hour with her. I was able to make the woman laugh. I was able to say things with her. She communicates very well. She thinks mm-hmm. something is wrong with her head. So I said, why do you think so? She said, because all people treat her like she have no sense. I said, what do you think? Because I think that you're pretty sharp. Because I was asking right. her questions and she gave me all the answers, which, you know, when I get off the phone, I'll explain some things to you. But she's very sharp. Mm-hmm. But she's, I told her, I said, you know what your problem is, Miss B- You are very lonely. I told her that. I said, there's nothing wrong with you. You could use some company. You're lonely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's very sad. And she's the only one that I know. There's many, many, many people out there that needs somebody just to talk to. And it's not just the elderly, because this article was saying that it's a culture-wide problem where more Americans are living alone more Mm -hmm. than before, and fewer of us are getting married and having children, and the average household size is shrinking. So, of course, that leads to loneliness. Plus, you know, we have technology, and technology has become like a crutch where we don't really need to go outside to go grocery shopping or to go to the movies or, you know, so, and we, so we could socialize online, whereas like socializing in person 
can be more difficult. I don't socialize you know? online, but I tell you one thing though, people need a balanced life because what happened, what, how did people get along before social media? They go to their churches, they go to community yeah. centers, they go to the library, they go to movies, they go to group meetings. You know what I'm saying? There's just so much to be done. Yeah. There's so much to be done. Um, look at our friend Grace, my friend Grace. Grace don't get lonely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she don't live by herself, but she's not a lonely person. She makes herself busy. She goes to mm -hmm. the nursing home and, and serve the people and breakfast in the morning. She goes and she plays tennis. She do this. She, you know what I'm saying? There is a lot of things yeah. out there. People have to learn to motivate themselves and don't keep themselves locked in a house. You know, you go outside, you walk couple blocks you breathe you talk to people there's lonely people on the street walking on the street and you say good morning to somebody yeah. they're just happy they see somebody that say good morning to them yeah yeah and you know this article it said loneliness elevates our risk for developing a range of disorders like of cardiovascular course. disease neurodegenerative mm -hmm. disease like you were saying um, Miss B, I'll call her Miss B, was saying that, you know, people are talking to her like she's mm -hmm. crazy or whatever. But you get cognitive decline and it can even cause metastatic yes. cancer. It weakens the immune system, makes you more susceptible to mm -hmm. infections. And just like you said, searching for meaning, because like you, you go to these communities, like if you're part of a church or you're part of a social group or a community center, you're doing things or a volunteer organization, exactly. you're doing things. And having meaning in your life, having purpose can actually flip exactly. that switch. So people don't have to be lonely. So it's all about huh? connecting. Yeah, it's all yes, about you don't have to be lonely. And and another thing too, I mean, I don't want to sound too righteous here, but everybody has some kind of communication with the Lord. And if you mm -hmm. communicate with him on a daily, have a relationship with him, you'll never get lonely. Because he really direct your path and, and show you where you're supposed to be. But he said, what yeah. you do for one of these, you do it for me. So you go out in the street and do something for somebody. There's always somebody out there needs something. That's why I love this quote um, uh, in the article. It says, self-focus promotes negative emotional Exactly. Take the focus of yeah. yourself and put it on someone. Yeah. Exactly. Like Ms. said to me today, she said, you are amazing, you know. You leave church and come here to see me. I said, Ms. what did God say? What you do for Ms. You're doing it for me. <laughs> and I made her laugh. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, she yeah. liked the company. She loved the company. But, you know, it's um, it's an epidemic we have in this country because even the baby boomers now, people my ages are going through that. And to me, that's shocking because that's a very young age to really get into that because that can cause depression. Yeah. 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 I know some people, grandchildren, so, keep them very healthy, very going. But, you know, I'm not even ready for the grand grandmama business yet, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not this. But you do it. But you basically do yeah, it. Yeah, I do it when I, when I go do it. But I do it on my time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how my grandkids going to grow up to know that's how it's supposed to be done.
stay focused go out and do something this is um this is february this is the love month show some love mm. give some love it doesn't cost anything it's really free if you can say something nice to someone to do, today say it if you can do something nice do it god bless you all thank you so much for listening today please be sure to subscribe so you're notified on all our future episodes when they're released